Coming live from Chicago, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Caleb Gardner, Barack Obama's former digital director and presently founding partner of 18 Coffees, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And he was the man who used to be Barack at Barack Obama on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Caleb. Thank you for having me. So good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And it is good to have you on the show, uh, Caleb, because today is Diwali, the festival of lights, and you have spent quite a bit of time at the White House. I'm sure you have celebrated Diwali there also because Mr. Barack Obama seemed to have liked this particular festival. Yeah, what do you right. say? Let's begin with Diwali talk. That's right. I mean, we we had to acknowledge it, you know, celebrate along with you every year. Um, the president would have events and we would cover them and, and live stream them or tweet about them. And yeah, it was a it was always an occasion. So it's fun to be doing this on, on Diwali. Right, right. And it's fun to have you on this show, fun to know about all those days. And especially it's great to know that we uh, that I am. I don't know whether ever I will ever have a chance to talk to Mr. Barack Obama, but certainly the Barack Obama of Twitter. Certainly we'll be talking about <laughs> For a while, though. There yeah. were a few of us. There were a few of us. Yes. It wasn't, yes. wasn't just but, me. It was a whole, whole team. And then there were there were several, you know, iterations of the team as well. Great. So uh, we'll come to know, uh, come to that part, how exactly it functions for the, you know, most powerful man on the earth. But before that, tell us about what you are doing right now as the founding partner of 18 Coffees. And then we'll slightly get back to what you are good, uh, you know, what you used to do on those days. Yeah. I mean, I right now, most of my job is, you know, running our boutique consulting firm that focuses on the intersection of business and social impact. So a lot of the work we do has to do with how is business changing? How are we helping? How are we helping leaders transform their companies to be more socially responsible, to be more, um, you know, communicative about what they're doing internally, to be better about diversity, equity, and inclusion, to be better at the ethics of their products, to be better about how they think about integrating with tech and how they think about their tech stack. There's just, there's so many elements of it that we tend to focus on a different area with different clients. But what we're really good at is, you know, coming from that um, Obama political organizing communication background is helping people think through, you know, how do you navigate the political environment? How do you navigate kind of the new communications environment? Um, and in general, I think we're interested in pushing, you know, innovation forward to be something that is a net good for society and not just innovating for the sake of innovating or sometimes actually like causing harm um, overall. So we think of it as helping helping on the whole value chain of how a company engages with society. Right. Right, Caleb. You say that the only way forward is by changing the way we change. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And why do you focus so much on change? I thought this was something, uh, some, uh, you know, business lingo when they talked about change management and there were a whole lot of things around this. But somebody from, you know, a bit of a political side or maybe not purely political, but from the communication side, talking about it and business leaders listening to him uh, for whatever reasons behind it. 
Yeah. I want to understand this whole lot of thing for the audience, <laughs> especially a lot of businesses who would be listening or uh, seeing this particular program. Yeah. I mean, coming from the change president, right? Like that's what <laughs> um, the president focused on, hope and change. Um, and I just wrote a book about it. Right. Where is it? Where's my hand? Right there. Yeah. It's right behind my head. No point. Yes. No point. Rules for leading change in the new hyper-connected, radically conscious economy. That's right. Um, and uh, I, I think that there's so much that the, excuse me, the private sector can learn from how we did, um, we thought about mobilizing people to make change um, in the Obama organization. Um, and a lot of what I've written in the book is trying to apply some of those principles, you know, how to use technology to communicate quickly, to mobilize people, to give them, you know, a permission structure to make the kind of change they want to see. I think a lot of those same things can apply when we're talking about big bureaucratic companies that don't change very easily. Um, that don't that especially as it relates to things that are that are really hard, that are ill-defined, that are um, political, that are, um, you know, things that what we care about, about how a company engages in society. It's even harder to make kinds of change because there's not always a direct business value that you can drive from it. Sometimes it's just doing the right thing to do the right thing. And so how do you make change in that kind of environment. That's what I that's what I've been talking about, you know, for a lot of my career, but especially the last few years as we've been really doing that kind of transformative work. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting to see uh, somebody you see you have a great background. You were in Bain and Company, Edelman and so many and then you were uh, working with the president. Afterwards, was there something that happened that you know drove you towards so much focusing on change it, it or was it just incidental i uh, used don't seem to be somebody who would be just doing this sort of talk have a company talk about change just for you know creating some more clients around it perhaps uh, there is more to it and there is something holistic that you want to change uh, everywhere yeah you're exactly right i mean i see it as the the thing that no matter what i was doing whether it was excuse me, whether it was digital innovation at Edelman or Bain and Company or political organizing with the president, the through thread of all of that was we were we were working at at really the forefront of technology, communications and, you know, business and politics and, and how we actually were able to, you know, come up with a strategy and then actually in, enact that strategy always ran into organizational bureaucracy into uh, mindsets that were stagnant, not willing to see the world in a different way, into the kinds of, if you want to call them change management, into the kinds of things that change management has thought about for a really long time. Um, the problem with how I thought about it when I looked at those, you know, kind of classic change management principles is it's very linear. It's very like, okay, you do this and then you figure out what you want to change and then you make a plan and then you make that change and then you're done. And I was like, that's not how, that's not how change works at all. I mean, one of the reasons why I called the book No Point B was because I was like, it, change doesn't look like going from point A to point B. It looks like becoming someone who is more adaptable so that you can lead teams that are more adaptable so that you can lead organizations that are more adaptable so we can create a society that's more adaptable like this is an ongoing thing that requires a lot more mental effort a lot more practical 
um, you know, management, a lot more leadership than we give it credit for. And so, so having seen all of those things in different applications, whether that's in politics or the private sector or whether that's in startups even, I, I really wanted to pull the thread through all of that and say, what's what's common about this? We're all trying to make change in some way. We're all really bad at it for the most part. Um, and right now we're in a critical moment where how we change really matters because we are we are seeing all these intersection intersecting effects of how technology especially is affecting the world. And so we need to be able to to catch up with it faster. Right. Change to reach where because you talked about technology. You talked about businesses, mm -hmm. you talked about political leaders also, and mm -hmm. being a part of, you know, the most powerful office in the world, being a part of that, seeing it from very close. Uh, what is it that you felt that, because see, from one point, if you see from a citizen's perspective, they just think, listen, man, we have elected the president and <laughs> he is the most powerful and things should get done. But there are only when you become part of such a uh, uh, system, then you come to know uh, the uh, limitations of those things. Then you right. want business leaders to do it. And again, there are different uh, aspects and everybody has their own perspective. So firstly, is that what is the change that you are looking for from these people? And especially when you talked of technology uh, and that we must catch up catch up what catch up where and along with that where do we piggyback and where do we want to reach right i mean i think that i use technology as a shorthand for disruption because it's one of the most disruptive things that is happening to us right now right and it and it intersects with so many different it, it intersects with how we make change in a democracy it intersects with how we find markets and sell to people in, in the private sector. It intersects with how we make, how we organize communities right now in our backyard, you know, like it, technology has a through thread of all of that. And we are, and it's still so new that we really haven't reconciled as a society, what our responsibility to use it, whether that's in a business context, in a political context or in a personal context. So I use that as shorthand because it's it's something that we all have in common, no matter our place in life. But I think in the book, I talk a lot about there's internal disruption, leadership turnover, change in strategy. You know, there's there's external disruption, not it, technology is one of them, but there's also markets changing. There's, um, you know, upstarts kind of re reorganizing our business model. There's all kinds of things, uh, global pandemic. There's just, you know, like there's there's so many examples we have of, of disruptive things happening to us at all the time. That, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like, well, how can we think about change as some kind of linear process when this kind of internal and external disruption is happening to us all the time? Sometimes we do it to ourselves, but more often it's something that happens to us that we can't control. So what do we do then when we are already overloaded by doing all of these things and then something else happens? Our CEO gets into a scandal or again, we have some kind of health scare and half our people have to work from home now. Like there's just, there's so many different kinds of disruption that we have to manage. I, I, that's why I talk about it like an adaptive practice. Like we have to be ready for it no matter what comes. Right. Uh, but if you, if you see a lot of technology today is uh, built around the internet, mm -hmm. the social media, a lot of things are happening as, 
and they are integrating it down there now there is a talk of you know uh, a different sort of technology sometimes it will related to your ears to your mm-hmm. head and what not in these <laughs> yeah. times you you talk about a more civilized internet twitter at your time you were managing it for the president at barack obama and now you see the debate around twitter and it's not just about twitter about either it's bots or toxicity but overall the whole ecosystem the social media ecosystem that we have right now and everybody has their own point of view it has the good things also but yeah. a lot of people are also focusing more on toxicity that it brings in our lives when you yes. mean must yes so <laughs> when you mean a more civilized internet what do you mean and if we bring a change here you are a proponent of change in so many spheres of life also in businesses what would you look at and especially somebody who has used this platform called twitter so closely mm-hmm. uh, and i'm not talking only about twitter how what sort of a change here or civilized internet that you are looking at please focus on <laughs> oh we could have we could have an entire conversation just about this yeah. because it's such a meaty topic it's one that i care about a lot and and i care about it because you're right we were part of creating um you know uh, the in, the inter intersection of uh, the social media, especially, but really the internet in general, and politics. And so we we've kind of started we started a lot of the global trends that now other leaders have taken up um, that we've seen taken to different, sometimes nefarious ends here in the United States. And I do feel some responsibility over that and some um, some you know personal drive to see it be better. Um, I think that in order for that to happen, we have to we have to think about our definition of civilized. If we think about, you know, living day to day in in a civilized, quote unquote, society, I I would like to see the same kinds of safety um, uh, guardrails that we have put in place in an in a normal functioning society for the Internet, because we don't have the same kinds of protections for marginalized communities. We don't have the same kinds of um, support systems for people with disabilities. We don't have the same, you know, there's just, it's still very much driven by the private sector, by engagement as a key metric, by profit, you know, as a key motive. Um, And some of the platforms, Twitter being one of them, but not exclusively Twitter, are run by very powerful individual people in the private sector, but that play an outsized role in public life but we don't treat it like a public utility you know like we don't they want to they want us to see it as the same thing as you know riding the train or the bus or same thing as getting our electricity service you know one of these things that's really integral to daily life that we want to use all the time but they don't want to be regulated like that they don't want to be have public oversight like that and so to me there has to be uh internal accountability at the companies and we've already seen some employees coming up and rising up and saying, we want to do this better. We want to hold leadership accountable. We want to create products that we can be proud of. I think that's happened in some degree. There needs to be some kind of regulation and oversight. 
some of that starting to happen here in the U.S. because a lot of these companies are U.S. based. Not all of them, but all, a lot of them. Um, but you know, places like Europe and other parts of the the world are already trying to be more aggressive <clears throat> about how they um, regulate the you know companies that have uh, again outsized influence in their backyard. And then the last thing is we need a lot more education on an individual level, on a systemic level about media literacy and digital media literacy in particular. So we need people who understand what is quote unquote true on the internet and what is not, you know, like how to, how to have some critical thinking when it comes to what they are reading and consuming, um, how to know the difference between a YouTube vlogger and CNN or the New York right. times and somebody on WordPress. Like we just, we are still in this uh, historical dissonance between there being a lot more information on the internet than there are people who understand how to process that information and get um, actual knowledge from the insane amounts of data they're getting every day. And we are, we're getting, we're getting all kinds of persuasive messages every day. And sometimes more so than we realize, we'll see a headline. We won't see the source of the headline, but the headline will make us go, oh, interesting. We won't click through. We don't read it. You know what I mean? Like there's still, we're be right. still being persuaded in lots of ways that we don't even realize. So it's, it's a multifaceted effort to create a better internet. And there are many people who are smarter than me thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, this subject is so close to you that uh, how does let's talk about solutions how do we find a way out of this because what's happening is and since you have spent considerable amount of time in the political system is that others who are in powerful positions are using this uh, to control businesses because they control the messaging their communication and also for political systems, they are using such tools which are available uh, or such, so much of data that is available with such companies. Not mm -hmm. only just social media companies, but other companies also who is dealing with a huge number of people uh, at the same time. But, you, but social media is so much known, so people are focusing on the social media. What's the way out? You see the cases, there was Cambridge Analytica, there was uh, the number of bots now, Elon Musk has raised it, so now mm -hmm. they know that it's a fact that there are bots who exist in on the internet highway and they are going to rob you. In yeah. The way. yeah, so what is the way out and who is going to change it? Because those people who are in powerful positions, so many of them, it is benefiting them. Yeah. Yeah, the bots are getting more creative too. I mean, in the in terms of the use of AI, you know, to create basically avatars of people who look completely real to trick you into communicating with them over time in order to get personal. I mean, it's getting very sophisticated in terms of the highway robbery, like you said. Um, the the hard answer about who's going to fix it is you and me. Like this is what I mean about us seeing our own agency to make change and and being a part of it and and the call to action that I you know feel really strongly about that I put in the book is that there is no solution where we can put a president in the office in the US or new <coughs> new leaders in different parts of the world or even a leadership turnover like Elon Musk at at Twitter 
or anywhere really we can't we we can't have this great leader theory of change that says if only we had the right person in charge we could do a lot more leadership matters don't get me wrong having the right leaders in place matters at every level but the only way that we actually make systemic change is by having systemic solutions which means that we have to engage at the local level at the individual level as well as at the political level and at the leadership level so these the companies that we care about the direction of them need to hear from us need to know we as users are not okay with specific things they need to know for those of us in the kinds of positions of influence like advertisers for example or people that are actually in the business model you and i are just the product right like of twitter we're not the we're not the ones driving we're not the shareholders we're not the we're not the advertisers those people have even more of a responsibility i think to speak out and say like we're not okay with the direction we want we want more accountability so it it takes it's going to take systemic um uh, approaches to this if anything's ever going to change which means right. you and i have responsibility that's the hard that's the hard answer we all have a responsibility to do something of course and a lot of people are fulfilling their responsibilities they are fighting for change in all different areas different you know aspects of life across the planet and that's i guess the biggest hope there is for uh, for the present generation and for humanity as a whole uh, if i if i see it from my perspective because yeah uh, as as i said governments will be in uh, will keep on changing mm -hmm. only the nations are in continuity and uh, and and the people are in continuity leaders they will keep on changing they will unless leaders keep on doing things that they can get elect elected again and again by right. the right means by the right means sure right. but uh, let's talk about businesses you and because we always tend to you know look at businesses very critically mm -hmm. but sometimes if you look at it from their point of view if you you are saying that uh, you say that to become an ethical business in today's time is also very hard mm -hmm. why do you say that and again if somebody wants to become ethical how can they do it <laughs> if somebody individually wants to become ethical you mean i mean business, i'm not business, any business yes small I business mean... will have a limitations but bigger business yeah. have a big amount of impact that they can create right right um i mean th this was a a big consideration for why i was writing the book as well because i think the the hardest part about making change is making change to become better because better is ambiguous better is can be misinterpreted can be defined differently you know philosophers have debated what it means to be ethical for generations right like there is no there's no set generation there's no set definition of that and it's often colored by our political and cultural environments um so it means that it's hard and that's one of the reasons why i said that it's it's actually not like turning on a light switch and oh we decided to be an ethical company now it means that there are lots of things we need to self evaluate we need to self evaluate how we define things what kind of philosophical grounding we want to build um you know being more ethical on what kinds of impacts are we having on the market on our communities on people who aren't even our our 
users or, or customers, but maybe affected by it. There's a lot of things to consider when it when it means turning the ship to be more ethical. And I would never say any any company doesn't have a claim to being an ethical company. I think companies have a claim to being more ethical, right? Like it's a, I would see it as being on a journey of being better, not arriving. There's no again to the point of no point B. There's never arriving in terms of being ethical. You always have to self-evaluate, be self-critical. And so on a micro level for me and you it means the same thing, right? Like we we do our best day to day and when we know better, we do better. And you know, um that's a Maya Angelou quote that I that I quote quite a bit, you know, I I forget what the exact quote is, but it's <clears throat> something like you know, one day I knew I knew one thing, and then the next day I knew better, and so I did better. I think that's the best we can do. Is it? Is there something that stops companies from being ethical? Is it? Yeah. What, why? Lots of things. I don't. Inherently, <laughs> nobody is bad. No, I, I agree with that. Start with a clean slate. They want to do good, but yep. somewhere along the line, you know, something pulls them back. And maybe whatever it is, but you know the systems better. Where can we there be right intervention to just save the right guys? I, I agree with that. I, I actually I think I have more so than some of my progressive friends in the US, I have um, a lot of empathy for business leaders who I think genuinely for the most part want to do the right thing and are just um, have either been taught different things about what the right thing is, like profit over purpose, for example, and, and a very like Milton Friedman version of what it means to do good as a business leader. Although I think that's changing a lot. I think for the most part, a lot of business leaders today want to do the more ethical, more right thing. I think they're balancing, how do I do this in an environment that um, pushes back on that a lot? And I mean, their, their company in an environment where I don't want to rock the boat too much because of my career. So what can I do that isn't going to be too risky, that's going to make, that's going to risk my career. And in an environment, like I said, that has ill-defined goals, ill-defined definition of what it means to be better, what it means to be more ethical. Um, so I don't think it's a, for the most part, with some exceptions, um, a lack of motivation or lack of um, determination or or, you know, genuinely not wanting to do the good thing. I just think you run into all these systemic problems um, and people just don't know how to operate within systems that aren't designed to do the ethical thing. You know, like we're still, most of our companies were built to be exploitative, to be profit focused at, at all costs, right? So how do you change the ship to be even a few degrees more ethical is pretty, pretty difficult undertaking. <laughs> I love I love hearing the the fireworks in the back. It's like feels so celebratory. <laughs> I love it. It's like getting me all fired up this uh, Monday yeah, morning yeah, here in yeah. Chicago. Yeah, Diwali. As 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 I said, it's Diwali day. That's and right. It's great to have you know uh, somebody who has seen all these festivities at the White House and who is listening. Yep. This is not White House. You can call it any out, but a normal house. But certainly you can get the, uh, get, the get people's all the house. sounds, yes, the sounds of the common man celebrating. And that's what yeah. a lot of people want. They want the common man to celebrate and have a happy life. But somehow that, that does not seem to be happening either from the leadership side or from the company's side or, uh, or even from, you know, a lot of technology which is supposed to help people. But again, 
it is also leading to a lot of toxicity but yeah. be that that as it may uh, let's focus on the good things and so on your book how what can people find different businesses individuals what can they find where they can get ha- uh, hold of this particular book and how do they connect with you and your company because you are also doing great work with a lot of companies you know presently i guess you are working with comcast bose united way worldwide and all others so how do people connect with you how do companies connect with you and actually make the change that they so much want yeah um <laughs> calebgardner.com is the easiest way to connect with me i mean i'm i'm at caleb gardner almost anywhere on the internet so it's pretty easy to find me um 18 coffees is my company so 18coffees.com um nopointb.online will take you to everything that you need to, about the book um but you can also find that pretty much anywhere um on my website so it's pretty easy to pretty easy to find um it might might i don't know where you can get it shipped right now that might, you know i don't know if it'll ship all the way to india but um one day one day hopefully if it doesn't already okay but is it's available online is it i'm pretty sure yeah i, I know it's available online i think i think you can be you can get it from amazon but right Right. Now, my last question, not a question, but just to understand, you know, that uh, you people, you along with your colleagues or maybe mainly you uh, being, uh, you know, at Barack Obama on Twitter. So what was it like, you know, talking to millions of people every day? You know, <laughs> you you are impressed. It's not an easy thing, you know, when yeah, you are representing even one individual. Yeah, it's, it can be very, very... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> very stressful i was not as gray when i started and now my hair is uh is turning <laughs> so i look a lot older um you know it just there's different problems at that kind of scale in terms of you know engagement with people on top of there being the the kind of you know every day reacting to the news cycle of being in politics so it's a it was a lot of work but you know i was surrounded by some of the most passionate mission driven inspiring people so um i loved it Right, right. And I can certainly tell you, I love talking to you. Because <laughs> Thank you. There is not, a, there is not, a, you know, you are not, uh, there's no dearth of any topic. There is so much to talk, so much to learn. And not just point B, no point B, whatever it means, I understand it better. But <laughs> there are so many points to cover. And humanity, as you said, if they go the right way, to the right change, there will be certainly a lot of points to reach. Otherwise, yeah. We will be coming back to, you know, zero. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Caleb Gardner, for joining us. Thank you for having me.